Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Lucia Chachulovic. I am an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm happy to be joined today by Olivier Maris from Investment Writing with the Markets Wrap-Up, Sipo Arnsen from Next Generation Research on Digital Assets, and Tim Gegi, Head of FX and PM Solutions in Geneva, with his view on currencies and metals. So let's get started. Olivier, could you please give us an overview of what has happened in the markets? Yes, uh, good morning, Lucia. Now, yesterday, the main news came out of the European Central Bank announcing an increase of the refinancing rate by 50 basis points, which was more than the estimated 25 basis points. The Central Bank also unveiled a new anti-fragmentation tool called Transmission Protection Instrument, enabling the ECB to buy bonds of individual countries in a targeted manner, and so aimed at helping highly indebted countries that could suffer from the rise in interest rates, like Italy. Now, speaking of Italy, major news came out of the region as well, with Mario Draghi officially announcing his resignation as premier. Italy will now hold an early election on September 25th, with a centre-right coalition currently leading in the polls. Now, markets had a fairly muted reaction on the news coming out of Italy and the ECB. Whilst at first the 10-year Italian bond yield surged 21 basis points on the day to 3.6%, the benchmark ended at 3.5%. In equities, we saw even more volatility with the FTSE MIB sliding as much as 2.9% to then end the day at minus 0.7%. Overall, the Eurostoxx 50 closed up 0.31%. Now, on the other side of the Atlantic, whilst the trading day started slow, major indices ended firmly in the green. The S&P 500 closed up 1%, with 9 out of 11 sectors positive. Tech stocks extended their rally to three days, with the Nasdaq now gaining over 4.7%, since Tuesday. Treasuries dropped with two-year yields 14 basis points lower and 10-year tenor falling 50 basis points. Now, US President Joe Biden announced he has caught COVID, yet said he was doing well and that he is experiencing mild symptoms. While it is said his risk of severe illness is very low, according to medical experts, it isn't zero for the White House symbol in the fight against the pandemic. With that, now let's swiftly turn to commodities. After falling for over a month now, gold slightly rebounded yesterday of the 1,680 US dollars an ounce level. The black gold oil dropped falling below the 100 US dollars a barrel level. And in cryptos, after the disappointing news from Tesla selling over 75% of its crypto assets, the tokens are slowly picking up again with Bitcoin now back above 23,000 US dollars. So with that, what can we expect for the day ahead? Well, US equity futures are falling after disappointing results from Snap, the social media company, The snapshot parent plummeted 27% in after-hours trading. In Europe, futures point to a muted open, whilst in Asia, major indices are mixed with the Nikkei outperforming. Now, data include UK retail sales and UK, France, and Germany PMI figures. American Express, Verizon, and NextEra Energy are among the companies reporting earnings. With that, that's all from me, and I hand it back to you, Lucia. Thank you very much, Olivier. Now, Sipo, over to you. Could you please share your latest view on the crypto space with us? Thank you, Lucia, and um, good morning from my side as well. You know, over the last week, as Olivia just mentioned, we saw, you know, some tentative signs of recovery in the asset class, 
with you know many of the leading tokens coming off their multi-month lows with you know the total market capitalization of the asset class once again breaking through the kind of key one trillion us dollar threshold um you know and leading digital asset bitcoin breaking a sort of key resistance level of 24,000 US dollars, um, which, you know, for context, it has been struggling to break for some time, given the sort of volatility and drawdowns we've seen in the asset class. Now, you know, with top-down macroeconomic factors still being strong drivers of digital assets, you know, specifically since, you know, the concerns around monetary policy tightening started late last year, we've seen intra-crypto correlations between, you know, the largest digital assets remaining really elevated. Now, you know, while that means that typically digital assets you know, tend to move in unison, as implied by these elevated correlations, this past weekend saw, you know, some tentative signs of a decoupling of price performance of single tokens, with, you know, Ethereum tokens in particular outperforming the broader asset class. Now, over the one-week period, the Ethereum token, or ETH, has gained more than 30% on the back of, you know, improving sentiment following more clarity around the timeline for the highly anticipated merge of the Ethereum network. Now, you know, late last week, a member of the Ethereum Foundation suggested that September the 19th would be a provisional launch date for the merge, which you know, ultimately refers to the complete transition of transaction throughput from the current proof-of-work-based blockchain to the newly developed proof-of-stake-based beacon chain. Now, you know, maybe just for some context here, the transition to proof of stake has, you know, been in the works for months um, with several mergers taking place in a test environment recently. Um, but the process has been historically plagued by delays and deferred timelines. So, you know, the improved visibility on when exactly the merge will happen has, you know, seemed to be galvanizing sentiment towards the ETH token. And, you know, this has ultimately driven the strong momentum based outperformance for ETH. Now, you know, what are the benefits of this transition? You know, while Ethereum remains the dominant network for developers of decentralized applications, it's often been, you know, criticized for some of its shortcomings, which are on the scalability side um, in terms of uh, the transaction throughput it can handle. And most importantly, the high transaction fees, which often see higher fees than the actual value of the asset being minted or transacted on the blockchain. Now, the transition to Proof-of-Stake aims to address exactly those concerns um, in an effort to gain back from, you know, much more faster and cheaper emerging infrastructure networks such as Solana and ultimately reducing the energy consumption of the network by up to 95%. So how do we view this development? Is there a change in our view? Now, you know, we do see the merge as a positive development for the ETH token in the longer term. And that's, you know, largely a function of once the touted benefits are actually realized in the future, we think, you know, headwinds from the macroeconomic environment, as well as the still quite fresh wounds from the recent stablecoin shakedown and drawdowns, they really provide an unfavorable short-term outlook for the asset class overall. And, you know, ultimately the way we view this recent outperformance is largely a sort of sentiment-driven rebound following the sharp sell-off um, of the past weeks and months. That's all from my side. Back to you, Lucia. Thank you, Sipo. Over to currencies and you, Tim. What do you see happening on the FX markets and what is your take on it? Uh, good morning. Well, I feel like we should all be happy this morning, not just because it's Friday, but because thanks to Christine Lagarde and her colleagues at the ECB, we are finally out of negative rates. That is not to say we should all start suddenly sitting on cash, but still, it is good news. And while I am no fan of Lagarde, the ECB, or indeed Europe really as a construct, 
we can at least celebrate the fact that a ludicrous adventure in monetary policy is over. We were rather hoping for a slightly more meaningful reaction to a 50 basis point hike, but after an initial surge in euro dollar, which only took us to about 102.75, we are right back where we were yesterday. I suppose with the Fed next week, investors are reluctant to sell dollars too aggressively, but even euro Swiss is actually lower than it was pre-ECB. Honestly, all the levels this morning are somewhat the opposite of what I would have expected. Precious metals actually strengthened on the back of the ECB's decision, which I'm slightly surprised by. Go figure, as the Americans say, but I'm scratching my head a bit and not quite sure what to do. On Wednesday, I sent out a note suggesting a couple of ways to take advantage of the dollar strength ahead of the ECB. I think this is probably still the best approach, because I think that the market now sees even a 75 basis point hike from the Fed next week as pretty much in line with expectations. And I really can't imagine them hiking by 1% one shot, although anything is possible. So give me a shout if you'd like to see that note or have any ideas. Uh, cable also weakened yesterday. Initially, euro sterling was actually quite a bit higher as well, but we were back to not far away from 85 yet again. With the Bank of England in a couple of weeks' time likely to hike by half a percent, presumably the pound will stay around similar levels in crosses and any activity will be more dollar-driven. As I have mentioned before, the leadership elections are a sideshow, but we are down to two candidates at least. For what it is worth, I believe trust will win. Sunak has a trust issue, while you can't spell trust without trust. And if she hasn't already used that slogan, then I might try and sell it to her. One downside of trust does win is she is likely to look at this famous Northern Ireland protocol, something the market might not like. But I wouldn't really expect the pound to move very much, whoever comes out victorious. I am still a buyer of cable below 120. I would rather do it via a reverse convertible, an accumulator or something like that. But I do think that sooner or later, today's levels will look like a bargain. Loads of PMI data today, UK, Eurozone and the US. Watch out for those. I'm on holiday now for two weeks, so try not to miss me too much. And I will speak to you again in August. Thanks for listening. Happy Friday. And back to you, Lucia. Thank you very much, Tim. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbaer.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.